Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the final part in our year-end series, Everything Can Change. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're going to be in the Old Testament. There's a man named Naaman, and Naaman has a skin disease known as leprosy. And the prophet Elisha has been summoned to see if there's something he can do. 2 Kings 5.10 says, Elisha sent a messenger to him and he said, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and he said, I thought surely he would come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? He's like, you want me to go in the Jordan? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servant went, went to him and he said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? So how much more when all he says is wash and be cleansed? So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God told him. His flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. I want to call this message this. Someone say this. This could change everything. Come on, can we clap our hands this morning? You guys can find your seat in this place. Can you say hello to someone as you find your way to your seat this morning? Come on, this could change everything. This could change everything. Uh, it's a special day, and I, I know it's, it's, a, it's an important and it's a special day in church when the devil tries to take me out all week. Um, but guess what? I'm here. It might sound a little weird, but I'm here. Uh, so today, man, it's, it's a really special day. This is uh, a tradition that we have as a church where we finish every single year in faith. And so this morning, in just a few moments, um, a number of us are going to come forward in faith, and we're going to sow a seed, um, believing that what we give today, God is going to be able to do more with it than we could do ourselves. And one of the things I love to say uh, when it comes to this moment is that the most powerful message uh, that's preached today is not the one that comes from my lips, um, but it's the one that comes from all of us who are sowing in faith, giving this offering today. And I say it's powerful because for some of us, we're given today when we don't feel like we have anything to give. Some of us are given today, and it's the very first time we've ever sown something. And so today, uh, the message is going to come at the end. And um, I'm just excited to see what God is going to do. But before that, uh, can I share just a little bit? Um, I'm going to share just a little bit uh, of what God's put in my heart, and I really want to explain the heart um, behind 
this series and this offering and really just put, in this, put inside of us this belief um, that everything could actually change uh, in the presence of Jesus. So I want to just go through the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and I want to look at the story of Naaman. Now, uh, if you're new to the Bible, the Old Testament is, is the part before Jesus. And one of the things that's really cool is that if you are astute, uh, you'll begin to notice something that if you, if you know the story of Jesus, if you know the gospel, the good news, if you know all that he's done, um, one thing that will happen when you read the Old Testament is that you won't be able to help but see that Jesus is there and the gospel, the good news is even there in the Old Testament. It's crazy. And so this morning, um, I hope that you see that message of Jesus as I, as I read and as I go through this Old Testament story. Um, but even more than that, I really hope this encourages us to believe that literally um, everything can change. Everything can change. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but, come on, can someone say but? He had leprosy. So I want to break Naaman down because he's an important character. The Bible says that he was a high-ranking official. Now, in this time, war was like a second language. So to be a high-ranking official in an army, specifically in this moment, uh, a successful army, you were someone of status, you were someone of prestige. You were someone that probably didn't have very many tangible needs. You would have had money. You would have had people looking up to you. And so this is Naaman. And what's interesting is that the Bible says that Naaman was a mighty man, a valiant soldier. Now, this title is given to a few other people in the Bible. Um, other translations say mighty men of valor, and this exact translation that, that is given to Naaman is also given to David. It's also given to Gideon, and, and those are two like big characters in the Old Testament. Now, what makes Naaman different is that Naaman wasn't uh, an Israelite. He was a Gentile, and so he's the only one who wasn't from the people of God, the Israelites, that is given this same title, mighty man of valor. Now, the Bible is trying to paint us a picture that Naaman, on the surface, in the eyes of people, he had a whole lot going on for him. Does that make sense? He had it going on. It says, but, someone say, that's a big but. <laughs> Y'all fell for it, eh? But, he had leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, leprosy is a skin condition. And it's a skin condition that, especially in this time, um, was ultimately a death sentence. And the thing about leprosy is that it would start really small. It, it would be a few dots, a little rash. But over time, eventually, slowly, and painfully, this disease would overtake your entire body. So... It says, again, he's a mighty man, but 
he has this life-threatening disease. So scripture is trying to paint us this dichotomy that there is this man, this great man, this mighty man, who has a lot going on for him, but he has leprosy. So here's where I want to start today. It's my first point. Simply this. Everyone has a butt. One T, people. Everyone has a butt. Naaman was a mighty man of valor, but he had leprosy. Why is this important? Because I want us in this place to understand the heartbeat of kingdom church. We exist for the people that have a really big butt. We exist for those who perhaps on the surface, come on somebody, lean in for a second, look like they have it all going on. They have prestige, they have power, they have status, they have cars, they have houses, but but there's still something. This whole series has been called Everything Can Change. And this series is not just a title in and of itself. We're saying it is a prophetic declaration that we are believing in the next year, God is going to use Kingdom Church in such a way where people's lives are literally going to change. But here's our problem. And here's what slows us down a lot of times, especially for those of us that live in Canada, which I think is all of us today. Um, but especially for those of us that live in St. Albert. Because what happens is most people in St. Albert, most people in Edmonton, they got a nice house, they got a nice car, they got a good family, they have a steady job, they're in school. And, and what happens is that we begin to buy this lie that says, you know what, like, I, I think this person's just okay. Like, I, I, I would invite them to church. I would maybe talk about Jesus. But to be honest, their life looks okay. Like, on the surface, man, that's, that's a mighty man right there. What could Jesus offer to someone like that? But what I want to suggest today is that even if we don't see it, everyone has a butt. Because there are people in our lives that even though they have a great house, their marriage is falling apart. There's people in our lives that even though it seems like every single one of their basic needs is met, they have no peace. And I just happen to think that God has called Kingdom Church to be the place, to be the people. Come on, I'm not stopping. I'm still preaching. God's called us to be the people that can help the people that they don't even know what they're looking for because everyone has a butt. <laughs> now what happens, though, is like, you, got, you guys ever make the excuse? It's like, I, I think there's something, but like, um, it's a really big, busy season for them right now. Um, they have finals right now, so I don't want to intrude. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's a busy work season. It's the year end. They're trying to wrap up all their accounts. I don't, I don't want to like, you guys ever been there? And what happens for some of us is like, Harrison, like literally, I don't actually think they need Jesus. Now, now you're like, no, I'm a Christian. I would never say that. But come, come on. How many of us by our actions don't actually think or believe that the people in our life need Jesus? 
Because if there was a disease and we had the cure, wouldn't it just come out of us so naturally? But, but, but sometimes we fall for the excuses because we see the people and it's like, you know what? It's like they, they, they got it all going on. But what we fail to realize is that, man, we as people are master distractors. And what happens, and this is why we don't always see the dissatisfaction in our friends' lives, in our families' lives, in our neighbors' lives, uh, is because we're master distractors. <clears throat> and so what we do when we start to feel that hole, when we start to feel that emptiness, when we start to feel that brokenness, you want to know what we do? We get a new job. It's like, ah, I just think it's my work. That's why I'm feeling this way. And then y'all know the high of the new job? Like, this is the best place ever. These are the best coworkers ever. This was the issue in my life. It was just my job. For some of us, it's a house reno. It's like, you know what? Like, my life kind of sucks right now, but if I could just blow out this wall in my kitchen, <laughs> like, then life would be a whole lot better. We get a new car, we get a new house. But these are all just things that distract us from that low level of dissatisfaction. They're distracting us from that but that is holding us back from peace. But what happens is this. As time goes on, because I don't believe that we as humans were designed to live within the absence of peace. And so when the house reno doesn't do it, when the new job doesn't do it, we take it a step further. And some of us think, you know what? I just need a new family. Like this, this is the re these people, they're the reason. Some of us is not enough, so we need something to numb the pain. It's alcohol. Like, like we used to just drink beer when we got home from work to, to take a little bit of the edge off, but suddenly every single day it's... It's not just one or two, it's three, four, five, six, seven. It's drugs. Now, I say that to say, I just believe as a church, God has positioned us and God is calling us to help the people who maybe don't see it or maybe don't realize it, but they have a really big butt in their life that is holding them back. Naaman was a mighty man of valor, but he had leprosy. So 2 Kings 1, 5, 2, it says, Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her, Mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So if you guys remember, Naaman was, was a Gentile, meaning he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't from Israel. So he didn't worship the God of Israel. He didn't worship Yahweh. And so they had taken this slave girl who was from Israel. She served Naaman's wife. And it says that when she saw his condition, she said to her mistress, listen, if he, if, if Naaman could just see the prophet, everything could change. Now, now, what's interesting at this time, prophets were messengers of God. So they were, they were literally the in-between between God and the people. And so she, she, she has the boldness. She has the audacity to say to her master, 
I have such a belief in the power of my God. If he could just get into the presence of God, everything can change. You want to know why she's not afraid? Because she believes it. Because she believes if, if people could just get into the presence of Jesus, everything could change. Come on, in this room, does anyone believe it? Do we just believe if we could get people into the presence? If I could just get my friend to church next week, I think everything could change. If I could just get him to foundations next semester, I think that everything could change. If I could just get that couple into vertical marriage next year, I think, I think their marriage could change. Do we believe there's power in the presence? She believes it. So we said everyone has a but. Here's the question. What's your but? I believe in the power of Jesus, but it's not a great season. But I'll invite them at Easter. Can I tell you and hear this? Some people don't have till Easter. They're just living in hopelessness. Here's what drives me. I've seen it with my own eyes. That when people come into the presence of God, everything changes. That there is a Jesus that can actually fill the hole that so many of us have in our heart. And I've seen the changes in others. I've seen the changes in this church. I've seen the changes in some of the people sitting in this room. I just know it can happen. Now, I don't, I don't need to bring in statistics but sometimes statistics are really cool. Um, and, and I'm bringing in um, two secular studies. Now, a lot of times, like in church, if you hear stats, it's from Barna. And Barna is like a church group. Um, so there could be some bias there um, in terms of who they're interviewing. But this is, these are two, two studies, one from the American Journal of Psychiatry and another from Harvard. The first one is this, American Journal of Psychiatry. Look at this. Religiously unaffiliated subjects. This is people that don't go to church, don't have God. It says they have significantly more lifetime suicide attempts than subjects who endorsed a religious affiliation. Furthermore, subjects with no religious affiliation perceived fewer reasons for living. You want to know what it's saying? It's saying actually being part of a faith community, actually being plugged into places like this. Come on, somebody. <laughs> What's up? Let's give him a big round of applause. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Lord, give me a little bit of that energy. <laughs> so going back to that study, it's saying that people, um, ultimately they don't have God in their life, have a whole lot less hope, see a whole lot less reason for living. Second one is Harvard. So this happened in 2020, um, and what they found was that attending a religious service drastically reduces death from suicide, um, drugs, and alcohol. It said attending services at least once a week cut these so-called deaths by despair. So a death by despair is suicide, alcohol, or drugs. 
attending a service once a week cut deaths by despair down 33% in men. Look at this. And a whopping 68% among women compared to those who never attended service. This is Harvard. This isn't Barna. And Harvard's wild, if you guys saw last week. Some people, maybe. Is there anyone here today that can testify to these facts? It's like, man, before Jesus, I was really hopeless. Before I got plugged into church and got plugged into community, man, I, I didn't see a reason for living. But it says, just coming once a week. Now, the heart of Kingdom Church is not that you just come to church once a week. It's that you get plugged into life-giving community. It's that you have people that can surround you and walk with you and let you know that there's hope for tomorrow. And so what if in 2024 we had the faith of this Israelite girl to say, listen, if you could just come into the presence of Jesus, everything can change. So, Elisha gets word, and he summons Naaman to come. Elisha being the prophet. It says, so Naaman went with his horses and chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. So, coming back to the story. Naaman has a life-threatening disease. And it's a slow and it's a painful death. Like literally, if you had leprosy, eventually like parts of your body start falling off. Because it's just, it's, it's crazy. And so the prophet Elisha comes and listen to the message. He says, go into the Jordan, wash yourself seven times, and you'll be healed. Now I would think for someone that's walking dead, that has a death sentence, he's going to hear this and be like, get me in the water. But it says, verse 11, Naaman went away angry. And he said, I thought he would surely come out to me and call on the name of the Lord his God. I thought he was going to wave his hand over the spot like a magician and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he went off in rage. Now when we read this, we're supposed to laugh. He's so close to breakthrough. He's so close to healing. He's so close to his life being changed. And you want to know what essentially he's saying? That's it. You want me to take a bath? You just, you just want me to go in the water. He's so close to a breakthrough, but he wants to stop. And in many cases, he wants to stop because it just seems like it's too easy. Healing can't be that easy. Breakthrough can't be that easy. I wonder how many of us in this room have a name and spirit that God has called us to do something, but we've objected right back to him. For some of us, it's as simple as this. 
God's been calling you to move from death to life. And it's so simple. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and you'll be saved. And some of us have been saying, that's just too easy. Like maybe if you waved your hand a little bit or gave me a five-step process to salvation, then maybe I would do it. But it can't be that easy. I wonder if there's someone in some of our lives that's on the edge of breakthrough that God has put so heavy in our spirit, but we've been fighting back. It's not the time, God. They just went through a divorce. They just lost their job. They don't want to be invited to church right now. So, so here's the question. What's your step? And this, this is for us as individuals. What is the thing that God has been calling us to do that we've been fighting back on. I know for some of us in this room, the last four weeks you've been fighting with God because he's been calling you to give. And you're just like, no, I can't right now. So what is it? You know what I've found is that so many of us want God to speak to us until he speaks to us. So many of us want a revelation from God until God reveals something. I remember when I was 19 years old, I prayed to the Lord and I said, God, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And then I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, I was in my room on a Friday night and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke to me clearer than I've ever experienced him before. And to be honest, I've never experienced him as clear as I did that night, even to this day. But he said to me, Harrison, you're going to switch your degree. You're going to study theology. And I was in my room, and I felt absolute assurance and absolute clarity. And even though it made no logical sense to me at the time, in my room in that moment, I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And then I woke up the next morning. Y'all ever have that? And I said, I don't know what I was smoking last night. Like, you were, not me. And to be honest, I ignored what happened uh, in my room that night for a number of months because I had a name in spirit. And a name in spirit just simply says, whatever it is that God's calling me to do, it just doesn't make sense. And I'm thankful for the mercy of God because he spoke to me again. And I would not be here today <laughs> had God not spoken to me again. And I wonder today in this place, for those of us who have been pushing past or pushing away the step that God's called us to take, what if this was God's second calling? To say, I know what I've, you know, come on, you know what God's called you to do. You know the person. Some of us, you know the amount that God's called us to give that seems kind of scary. But I just happen to believe that the miraculous is always on the other side of obedience. And so the question, what's your step, could be phrased even differently. What is the thing that God has called you to be obedient in that you've been pushing to the side? That you've been trying to ignore, that you've been hoping isn't real. You see, we as people, what I've realized is that we are just short-sighted. 
And because we are short-sighted, we often cannot see the things that God is aiming at. And so when we are called to take the steps that God calls us to take, they often don't make sense because all we can see is what's right in front of us. And what's right in front of us, I can pretty much guarantee, it's never a good season. It's never the best season. In the future is always a better season to give. The future is always a better season to invite someone to church. This, the future is always a better time to talk to someone about Jesus. But many times God says there's a time and the time is right now. And so 2 Kings 5 verse 13, Naaman's servant said to him, my father, if the prophet had told you to, to come and do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. You see, a lot of us think to ourselves, if God gave me a direct plan, a map, and an outline with all the steps, all the directions, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, E1, E2, E3, then I would just do it. But sometimes in the grace of God, he just gives you one step. He says, go wash and be cleansed. So come on, church, what's the step? Because I just have seen it so often in my life that the miraculous is always on the other end of obedience. Look at this, verse 14. This is what I think makes Naaman a great man. Not the accolades, not the success, not the wars, simply this, he went. So he went. Come on, you want to be a mighty man? You want to be a mighty woman? Just go. That's it. The thing, the place that God is calling you to go, the thing he's calling you to do, just do it. Because obedience is always the precursor to blessing. So he went and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and he became clean like that of a young boy. So come on, the walking dead found new life simply because of obedience. And I just feel this so deeply in my spirit. It's not gonna be one's man, it's not gonna be one man's obedience. It's gonna be a church. It's gonna be a body of believers that are obedient to the places that God calls us to go. As we've done this offering, we've never had a goal number. We've, we've never told people this is what you should give. We've always just said act in obedience to the Holy Spirit because he knows exactly what he's calling you to do. And on the other side of this is always a blessing. And I, I wanna talk about this offering for just a moment because we're not here to collect money. Money's just a tool but it's an important tool that God uses to build his kingdom. And for the last five years, this is year number six we've done this, so many people have sowed in faith when it didn't make sense. So many people, year one of this offering was called Expand. There's like 40 people there. Giving, believing that this thing that was just starting, that was just a baby, God's gonna do more. And guess what, God's expanded. And so today, I believe that we stand on the edge of faith once again, on the edge of breakthrough, 
Because what we are sowing today is not so we can buy a specific thing. It's so we can do more ministry and watch more people get saved. That's why we do this. I'm not sure if you know this, but our church in the last year has literally doubled. Now, numbers don't matter, but people do. And what I know is that in the last year, we've had more baptisms, we've had more decisions for Jesus than we've ever had. And guess what? We're just getting started. We haven't seen anything yet. This is just the beginning. You see, our goal as a church isn't to fill a building. It's to fill heaven. It's to take people who are walking dead and show them, guess what? The kingdom starts here and now. There's hope for today. There's healing for tomorrow. And there's a, a beautiful, eternal hope for the future. Now, one of the things... And one of the ways that God has been moving um, has been through our youth and young adult ministry. Um, and it's been crazy to see what God's doing. So I want to show you guys um, a clip from a year and a half ago. Um, and I'll explain the clip in a second. I just felt God, God speak into my spirit that he wants to do more. And it's not just about finances. But it's, it's literally about more, right? Like in terms of the ministry of this place. The reason we're going into this new church building is not to be in a building by itself. It is because we believe that this place can be a place that we can expand our ministry. We, we like literally, we're in the groundworks right now, but we believe one day Kingdom Church will have a robust youth ministry. And we're going to need a space. We're going to need a space for teens to come and experience Jesus. A place where teens can come and bring their friends. A place where God will do immeasurably and abundantly more than we could ever think, dream, or imagine. That's just one of the things I'm believing for this place. Our young adult ministry is popping off is going to continue to pop off, and they're going to need a place. So that was about a year and a half ago, um, almost two years actually. It'll be two years in February. And at the time, what I said, I said, we're in the groundworks right now um, of building a youth ministry um, because one thing that God called us to do, we just believe in obedience, was to start a youth ministry. Um, and when we started, we had about four youth leaders um, and about two youth. And for a long time, man, B and Nathaniel were the youth group, and they held it down. But we just believed in obedience, that's what we were supposed to do. And um, you may not know this now, but our youth ministry's popping off. And come on. And like... Man, num numbers don't matter, but people do. Yeah. And like, Shiloh, what's like the most we had? Like 30? Close? 25? Come on, somebody. Because this building we just believed was going to be a space where teens and their friends could come and experience the life-changing power of Jesus. And every single teen that shows up on Friday night is not a number, it's a soul. It's a person. And... Guess what? Young adults, year and a half ago, two years ago, was popping off, still popping off. And in a time when people are saying, young people just don't care about church. They just don't care about God. Shut your mouth, devil. Because all age groups need hope and they need healing. And God's doing something in this place at Kingdom Church. 
And so we look back, because sometimes we just, we sow in faith. We just start in faith, and then God does the rest. So listen, we're at a place right now um, where we don't currently have space for both youth and young adults to roll at the same time. Now, the timing of God is always perfect. I wanted to announce this like four weeks ago, <laughs> but finally, we've got official word from the engineers um, that we are good to go on the second floor up there. So that second floor is gonna be a space um, not just to expand our youth and young adults ministry, but also to expand our kids ministry. Um, it's gonna be a place where I think small groups are gonna meet there. I think prayers are gonna be prayed in that room. They're gonna shake the very foundations of St. Albert. Um, and so part of this offering that we're taking is gonna go to building that second floor. And so today, as we sow, we're sowing in faith, believing that on the other side, our lives changed and impacted forever. And what's really cool is that God, man, like it's, it's cool when you can tangibly see stuff. And numbers don't matter, but um, again, like when you can tangibly see the church growing, when we have two services and, and it feels like the services are full and it's like people are like, man, is there, is there room? Like what are we going to do? Um, that's really cool because like tangibly you can see what God is doing. Um, but one thing we like to do as well um, is we like to, to share stories, specific stories of how God has moved in people's lives. Um, and so right now, uh, one more video. Amy's back there, so we've got some help now uh, for this next video. Um, it's a testimony video uh, of what God has done um, in the lives of a new family uh, in our church, the Penner family. So can we just watch this video real quick? I'm Levi. And I'm Jen. We've been coming to Kingdom since May. We've been married for 18 years, and we have five kids. We knew we would be looking for a new church community. We've always gone to church as a family. Um, we did feel like God was leading us out there and telling us that our life needed some changes. So we were searching around. We knew it was important to find a place close to home and a place where our kids could feel loved and accepted. And uh, God brought us to kingdom. I knew that it was home for us when uh, I saw my kids' response and just some of them just digging in and, and getting involved so quickly uh, was just so exciting for me to see. And then for some of our, our younger who are still a little bit, you know, uh, not as autonomous, I could just see they felt loved. And it was important to me to be, to be just, just blessed by God's Word and, I, and that was happening. And so when I saw all of those things coming together, um, I knew that this was a place that we would thrive in. Kingdom has impacted our family, and we were going through some stuff. Um, just issues with our marriage, issues with our kids, um, our jobs. Like it just, we just sort of felt like we were on this kind of never ending treadmill but not really going anywhere and it was kind of tearing us apart and I don't really know when or like how it happened but we just stopped like pursuing God fiercely and we were just kind of like checking off the list and 
I feel like Kingdom has, God has, I think, encouraged our kids through Kingdom. I think we've grown closer as a family and we've learned a little bit more about how to be gracious and how to love each other and how to accept each other for the way God has made us. Instead of trying to fit in these perfect little boxes that we had been taught somewhere along the way. I think that Kingdom was, was a really safe place to just ask questions that I hadn't asked for a long time and just look at my life. Um, when I started going to Kingdom, I was at a place where I just needed a, a break, is how I felt. I just thought if I could just, just, just have that, then I could get my feet back under me. And then <laughs> I just feel like God spoke to me and said, you know, this, like, this isn't working. Through conversations and, and, and God just working in my heart, I, I knew that I, that I needed to get involved and that healing wasn't going to come through just kind of sitting. Um, that God actually had some, some work to do in my, in my life. And that was kind of an aha moment for me. Somewhere along the line, I had just begun to believe or expect that I would be enough for, for my kids or for my family or, or even for myself. I don't know when that happened. But it's it's just been a great a great joy to just come come face to face with Jesus is enough. I mean the people people at Kingdom have been and just different. Like not only were we welcomed right away, but getting plugged in and getting to connect with um, the ladies at Bible study and seeing the way that the kids workers like love my kids. I think like we've made friends and we've been encouraged and we've cried together and laughed together and you know I could see the moment we went to Kingdom uh, I could see efforts being made to connect with us which mm -hmm. which it takes time to build relationships so you know I, I knew that going in but the community for me uh, really picked up when we started going to vertical marriage and um, and I got to serve with some others and kind of be part of, of that community um, and just the, and, and the worship and, yeah. and the, the group that we're in, the chat that we're all in, um, the encouragements like that, that really helped form relationships um, and kind of fill up what was missing. I'm excited for how God is going to change our family because I see it happening and I know he's going to keep doing it and I'm just excited to see what kind of changes are going to happen. What God is going to do in St. Albert uh, through Kingdom and how he's going to grow uh, Kingdom. He's, he's going to bring more people to come to know and know Jesus and believe in in Jesus and that's that's what St. Albert needs and that's that's exciting. You see today what we're doing is we're sowing a seed. Because uh, listen, that's just that's one family's testimony. But there's so much things going on right now. 
so many lives being changed. And so today, we're sowing a seed. So next year, there's gonna be more testimonies, more lives changed, more people transformed in the presence of Jesus. <clears throat> so Naaman gets healed. Second Kings 5, verse 15. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and he says, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Look what he says. He says, So please accept a gift from your servant. Because, like, when your life is changed and transformed, there's a response. There's always a response. But look at this. It says, the prophet answered, as surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. Now, I think there's a reason for this. It's twofold. Number one, God doesn't need a thing from you. Please understand that. But I also think, and I think more than that, is because Naaman's spirit was simply this. God healed me, so now I want to pay him back. I want to pay him back. I felt this so deeply when I was driving this morning. I don't know about you guys, but man, Jesus has so changed my life. He's healed my heart, and he's healed my family. You could never pay Jesus back. You can never pay him back. And so the heart today, the heart in this offering is never to pay God back. Because good luck. But guess what? We don't pay back, we pay forward. Yeah. So what that means is this. If Jesus has ever done something in your life, today, right now, this is a moment where we get to pay forward that which God has done for us. We're not paying back. There's no, the debt's been paid. He paid it. We're paying forward, believing in faith. So right now, can we just stand for a second, church? We're gonna have a moment um, of giving. And so if you're in this place, um, I, I pray that you have an offering prepared. Um, and if you didn't prepare, or perhaps God's put something on your spirit that you gotta do more or something different, whatever it is, you're cool, you, you can still do that after. Um, but during this song, two things that we're gonna do. So you have an envelope, which is for the gift, um, but you also have a card. And this thing is, it's called a faith card. And we do this every single year um, where we just believe for something. So on the back of your card, if you see it, it says, in 2024, I'm believing for blank. And I just want you to put one thing you're believing for in 2024. It could be a person. It could be for peace. It could be for breakthrough, whatever it is. And what we do, we're going to bring this thing out. We set this thing up kind of like a monument. And as we give our offerings, we give our offerings, and we place in faith um, our card right on this board. Um, as an act and as, an, as a declaration and as a remembrance that in 2023 in a series called Everything Can Change we believed for someone or for something that this 
could change everything. So Father, I pray over this offering. I pray over us as a people. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you, God, that you have done exceedingly, abundantly, and infinitely more than we thought was possible. But Father, we stand in faith today believing that we haven't seen anything yet. There are still family members, there are still friends, there are coworkers, there are people in our life that have not experienced you. And so we're just believing right now for those people. God, I thank you that we can give. Continue to turn hearts around. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's worship together. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. If you want to partake in our year-end offering, head over to kingdomchurch.ca slash give, and you can choose one of our online giving options. In the memo, just make sure to write, everything can change. We can't wait to see what God does through your generosity. We thank you, and we can't wait for what's next. Take care.